Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. All right, so nine minutes after two o'clock. If anybody was watching the news over the weekend, you couldn't have missed what's been happening uh, in the U.S. And uh, really heart-wrenching scenes coming through. It is quite distressing. It is quite distressing to watch. And this is on the back of the killing of George Floyd by a police officer in the U.S. Uh, That video, I, I, I personally couldn't watch it watch all of it. I, I personally couldn't, I know, I knew what the ending was and I watched the beginning of the video, but I, I couldn't stand watching all of it. And the reason I couldn't is because it was all of nine minutes long. Nine minutes. Nine minutes of someone's intention to kill somebody. And that's too long for me to watch. And so I, like many, were shocked and horrified at what we were watching. And I think more than anything, I was horrified, not only at the act, but sort of the when you look at the face of the person who was perpetuating that, it was horrifying to see the disconnect. Just how it was just another, it's like he was kicking a ball. It, it was just another act. He just, there was just no, for me, a sense that this was somebody who was taking someone's life away. It was just so casual. And that I think for, is for me, I'm not saying for everybody, for me, what got me. And when you talk about Black Lives Matter, that's what it means. It was so easy. His life was just so negligible by somebody. That's why it was just so simple. It was such a simple act for him that I'm grappling with. That was my experience. Um, I want to hear from you and how that made you feel. And I want to tell you this. This is important in the sense that the context is also important of how the U.S. has been seen to react to the murder. Okay, so I'm told that uh, while we are on air for some hours now, the president of the U.S. has been sending all kinds of tweets Um, We have seen a tweet, I saw a tweet certainly earlier, uh, a couple of hours ago, that was saying things like, uh, you know, they loot, we shoot, that kind of thing. So it also, it's in context, right, of of what kind of leadership emerges when a crisis like this comes out. Um, that, That scares me a lot. But we've also been hearing from other leaders, mayors and so on. Um, But there is There's a movement that we've seen come through um, for years now in the U.S. called Black Lives Matter. And um, some of the pioneers of that movement were a movement called Black Futurist Group. And uh, one of the founders is uh, Devin Barrington Ward, who joins us now on the line and is currently in Atlanta, Georgia, in the U.S. I want to thank you so much, Devin, for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. For us, good afternoon. For you, good morning, I think. Yes, good morning, good morning. Um, thank you for taking the time to reach out to folks here in the United States that are part of Black Diaspora um, to talk about and share our experience with our family, our extended family across the world, and especially in South Africa, mm-hmm. given the history of that country. Yeah. Um, but also um, the possibility, you all show us the possibility of what is 
um, possible here for us in the United States. Has this event made you ask yourselves as as Black Lives Matter movement, because you comprise of many others, your role and effectiveness in making change. And I ask you that really seriously because we saw you when this movement was started. It was powerful in its sound. It was powerful in in the visual impact. Uh, that slogan made a lot of impact on us. But I'm not seeing change, you know. The, the power of the movement and its impact when we hear it and feel it is not bringing down these murders. So is there some serious thought about how we're going to see real change on the ground? Absolutely. Um, well, one, I think it's important to really talk about, um, you know, and provide some clarity around Black Lives Matter and also the movement for Black Lives. So mm. Black Lives Matter is something that is <clears throat> accessible to anyone. Mm -hmm. um, anyone can say and chant in the streets that Black Lives Matter. Mm. However, m for bl also known as the Movement for Black Lives, mm -hmm. um, is the anchor organization that brings all of the different groups across the United States that is doing work in the interest of Black life together. Um, the other thing is, um, as uh, I'm sure you all well know, in a country that uh, changes incremental, mm. um, and so we are in we are in the process of change. Mm. And so, since uh, the start of the Black Lives Matter movement and its transition to the movement for Black Lives, we have seen lots of changes in cities and states across the country. Um, just here in the city of Atlanta, we um, in 1996, the mayor and the city council built. Um, a city jail downtown um, for the 1996 Olympics. And that jail was used to jail um, poor, homeless, and oftentimes substance abuse, um, folks who are struggling with substance abuse um, and were living on the street. And that was not the side that the city of Atlanta wanted to show. Since then, we have reduced the population of that facility from 1,400 to about 10 people a day. And we're actually in the process of getting that facility closed and repurposed into a community center that can better serve communities, particularly those harmed by the system of mass incarceration. Those are the stories that oftentimes don't make it throughout the state of Georgia, don't make it throughout the country, and definitely aren't necessarily told around the world. But that vision of being able to close and repurpose the city detention center came from the vision of a black woman named Marilyn Wynn, uh, prison abolitionist here in the United States. And so there is change, and that's why I'm excited to speak with you to inform you about the changes and the reforms that we have been able to um, advance, but also talk about um, what is what the work that is still yet to be done. Devin, I, I, want, I want to also see not only change coming from yourselves, but I also want to, t I want to see institutional change. I want to see your government table a bill that will change certain things that will make what you're requesting effective. In other words, it's, you know, it's very difficult in the U.S. to charge an individual policeman. It's, it's you know, there are technicalities around that. It's rather institutional. And, and so people can skirt around the legalities of how you can charge that individual and so on. So those kind of changes, who's going to mm -hmm. be leading those changes from inside? 
Well, I think that's why the candidacy, uh, my candidacy for Georgia State Senate is so important. Mm. I'm a young 30-year-old black uh, man uh, from the LGBTQ community mm. of immigrant descent. My parents are mm. from Jamaica and Trinidad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not supposed to be running for office mm-hmm. in the state of Georgia, mm. the state of the Ku Klux Klan, mm. um, the state where Dr. King talks about let freedom ring from the tops of Stone Mountain, a mountain where black people used to be hung in Georgia that now is an anchor for one of the most affluent uh, black communities in the country. Mm. Um, And so I think that it's really important that we prop up young people, Mm. and that's why many of the folks, um, young black people, in our political process, and that's why many of the folks in the movement for black lives are not just advocating in the street and not just advocating the halls of power, but are actually taking place at power. Because here's the thing. If we don't champion these issues and if we are not in these uh, political seats, mm-hmm. um, you know, advancing these particular issues, then they aren't seen as priorities. And also, it's not just making sure that we have the right people in the seats, but also that, like, the right people doesn't necessarily denote that that's always mm-hmm. a black person. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had black elected officials who are older that have been complicit in um, being a check, a rubber stamp to white supremacist policy. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, this country is in a battle for its values. This country is in a battle to dismantle white supremacy um, because white supremacy has permeated in every system of American government, um, from state government to local government to our school system um, and to you know financial and fiscal policy. Um, and so it really is a multifaceted and we cannot just focus on one aspect of just police brutality because that's not why people are in the streets, in the city, in these various cities. People are in the streets for police brutality, but people are also in the streets because of the prison mass industrial complex. People are also in the streets because of the lack of affordable housing. People are also in the streets because black wealth is often robbed in this country. And so we are dealing with a, a myriad of needs, and that means that we have to fight this war on all fronts. Um, and it's not just, you what? know, going after police officers and reforming laws around uh, the police. But it is a complete systematic overhaul and unrooting the cancer of white supremacy in this country. What do you make of some of the comments that have been made by leadership in, in trying to contain the situation, uh, really pleading with everybody to disperse, go back home, calling it chaos? That's the word some of the leaders are, are using to call the protest. What, what do you make of that? Well, <clears throat> I um, actually work on a task force on criminal justice reform here in the city of Atlanta. And I was appointed by our mayor, uh, Keisha Lance Bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, our mayor on Friday uh, uh, lectured a lot of the residents in Atlanta who took to the streets mm-hmm. and called it a lot of the things that you said, that the actions were chaotic, mm-hmm. to go home. And my response as a young political leader, as a young community advocate, as a black person in this city was that I was disappointed by the response mm-hmm. from political leadership. Because immediately, <clears throat> if you want folks to go home, mm-hmm. give people what they have demanded in the streets. People are demanding immediate action. Mm-hmm. And so I was disappointed because instead of saying go home, mm-hmm. the elected officials and other leaders should have said go home because we have immediately done this. Mm-hmm. For example, go home because we have immediately reinstated 
our Citizens Review Board, which is responsible for holding bad cops accountable, Mm -hmm. go home because we have introduced legislation Mm -hmm. to um, hold bad police officers accountable and Mm -hmm. add additional penalties Mm -hmm. for police brutality. Mm -hmm. Go home because we are invested in demilitarizing our police department because we don't believe that the police department should have weapons of war on the street. Those are actions that any elected official, particularly mayors and governors, through executive order, they can do that immediately. They don't need an act of Congress. They don't need approval from the city council. Those are executive orders that they have the power to do because the police department report to them directly. We didn't hear that from a lot of the officials that got up on podiums all across the country on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We just heard people go home and really lecturing the righteous outrage of protesters and of citizens. Um, I led a protest on Saturday in front of the Georgia governor's mansion. This is a governor who played with an election in 2018 that ultimately led to his successful winning. Um, he, he essentially stole an election from the first black woman to run for governor in the history of the state of Georgia, Stacey Abrams. But we went to the governor's mansion, mansion that is the official residence for the governor. That is a taxpayer-funded facility. And the display of force from National Guard, the display of force from state police in riot gear, we were out there with signs. We were out there with our voices. We were out there pro-love. We were out there with righteous outrage. But we were met with violence. But I think it was really important that people saw how their government was willing to mobilize against them, that white folks in the city of Atlanta who joined us and put their bodies as human Mm. shields between law enforcement and black people and other people of color were able to see that their government was willing to mobilize against them. And so I believe now that these uprisings have shown people that we have to make a change and that it is a multifaceted approach, and that includes voting, but that also includes peacefully occupying the streets until officials actually hear and honor the demands of the people. Devin, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. I'm so sorry we don't have much time, but we'll invite you back again because I think we need to have a broader conversation. It's an important conversation. It's not a once-off conversation. Uh, Just give me a quick (laughs) sense of, at the moment as you speak to me, is there an easy calm or is it still quite tense? Um, it's still quite tense. Um, there's been two days of curfews, uh, 9 p.m. curfews that were not necessarily honored by protesters. Mm. Um, and so uh, there are still demonstrations and actions that are going to be taking place over the next few days. Um, I know that folks are actually gathering at City Hall today to demand um, police, a police accountability bill from the mayor and also to demand that funding be diverted from the police department and reinvest it into communities because we know how to keep ourselves safe. Okay, we, um, we, and we, so, um, we, we're going to have to pick this up again. I, there's a lot. There really is right. a lot for us to to, to 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 go into. But I thank you so much and be safe. Okay, be safe, Devin. We thank need you. to. Um, yeah, Absolutely. be safe. Devin Barrington Ward, he's the founder of Black Futurist Group, and uh, those were pioneers of the Black Lives Matter movement. And as you know, we are speaking to him because of the events that have just happened over the past couple of days, the death of Judge Floyd, a black man at the hands uh, or feet, let's call it that, 
of a white policeman and uh, there have been riots all from mostly many um, counties in the US and it's it's been not very pleasant to watch and very triggering I think for an African South African 25 minutes after 2